Welcome to Wiregrass Daily News Sports. This is your daily look at sports in the Wiregrass and the Southeast. Dothan Wolves on 96.9, the legend producer, Philip Jordan, breaks the news, covers the games, and talks to experts in the Wiregrass and Southeast. And now, Philip Jordan. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Monday edition of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. I'm your host, Philip Jordan, in-studio host and producer of the World's Football on 96.9 The Legend and Auburn Rider for last word on college football. We had an interesting weekend of sports here in the Wiregrass in the Southeast. It's a bunch of cool stuff that happened over the weekend to discuss big win for Dothan over Enterprise on Friday night, 21-14. We will break that down. We'll go over what happened in the game, and you will hear from Jerry Coleman and Ken Lambert. We will replay the post-game show that you have heard on I6.9, the legend. And a little hint for tomorrow, Jerry Coleman will be my guest on tomorrow's show. So you get a lot of Jerry uh, this weekend, the first part of the week anyways. Here on Wiregrass Daily News Sports. And then we'll go over the rest of what happened around in the Wiregrass and high school football. Then we'll jump into college football. Alabama holding off Arkansas. Auburn not looking too good against LSU and some other interesting things that happened there. And actually, we'll jump into some of the Southeast teams in the National Football League at the end of the show. Let you guys know what happened there. And uh, the Braves got eliminated toward the end of last week. Three games of one against the Phillies. I went to my Facebook page. Philip Jordan Sports. Go check it out. Please follow it. I really would appreciate it. And got your thoughts. What should the Braves do next? Should they make any changes? If any, what should happen with Atlanta? So we'll get into all of that. But real quickly, where you can find me in the podcast, find me on social media at PJordanSCC. Find the podcast over at WiregrassDailyNews.com or wherever you get your podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. Hey, if you leave just four stars, you are a straight-up hater. You can also email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Now let's jump into it. Let's go around the wire grass and look back at week seven of high school football. All right, and before we jump into high school football around the wire grass this past weekend i do want to talk about this i want to say this my saturday morning i'll let you guys know a little bit about me you know we jump into these topics these sports and everything and that's kind of it let you guys know me a little bit too that's one thing i'm excited about doing this let people in the wiregrass know who philip jordan is so saturdays i'm all about watching college football i've kind of had things set i am a college student going to troy university online i had one final thing to finish for this term i said okay, i'm gonna finish that and then friday night when i got in from the game of course you guys know i'm in the studio jerry and ken they're at the game i get back a little after 10 at my building at the apartment i live at all the parking spots were taken that's fine i'll park further down i go do that so saturday morning i get up i am looking forward to like i said jump into college football and then i do my assignment for school, get that done. And then I go down to my car. I said, okay, I was move it back closer to my building. I go, car won't turn over. I think it's the battery. Hope it's not the alternator. So long story short, get it, get it jumped off. Stepdad come over. We took care of that. 
and uh, go over to Jim Whaley's, uh, one closer on the south side of town, and uh, look for them. I kept the car running. I went in and said, hey, I think I have a dead battery. Hope it's not the alternator, but maybe that. You guys check it. Also need an oil change. Look, I was way past due for that anyways. I was just going to say, shout out to Jim Whaley's. They got the car in there. They got it going. I probably wasn't there 45 minutes at the most. Got my new battery. Got the old change. Great service there. I just recommend Jim Whaley's to anybody out there. So thank you to Jim Whaley's. Big shout out to them for getting my car going. And I missed about the first half of the Alabama-Arkansas game. But uh, that's kind of like what happened to me over the weekend. I just wanted to give a shout out to Jim Whaley. So the great work they do over there. That's why I've been a longtime customer of them. All right, let's jump into it. So Dothan Wolves win on Friday night, 21 to 14. Very excited game. And for Dothan, this is the first time as a 7A team they have beaten Enterprise. Of course, this is just year five of being uh, as the Dothan Wolves. Let's see. Let's make sure I did that right. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Yeah, five years. I had to make sure I do my math right. Recording this late on a Sunday evening. So, anyways, this is their first time since 2019 beating Enterprise, which that's when Dothan was still 6A, Enterprise was 7A. But since Dothan had moved to 7A, they had not beaten Enterprise. And going on the road, big game, playoff implications because things are tight in 7A Region 2. You basically have five teams battling for four playoff spots with Central at the top. And look, we can assume and reasonably so that that is the team that's going to be the region champs. So you got Auburn sitting there at number two. You got Enterprise, Dothan, Opelika. Now with two losses after this result, trying to fight for them final spots, maybe trying to get in there and get to that two spot if things could go your way. So big game, big game. And this really was a defensive battle for most of the game between Dothan and Enterprise. Now, Dothan did get on the board first on their second series. They went forward on a fourth and one. They were at the Enterprise 45. Tamarian Peterson handed it to A.J. Alexander. He rushes for 45 yards and the touchdown to go up 7-0 to zero for the Wolves. 30 seconds left in the first quarter. Like I said, defensive struggle for most of the rest of the game into the second half. Enterprise ties the game in the third with 7-11 on a 42-yard run by Amari Griffin. He set up the 10-yard touchdown for Keon Dunlap. So it's tied 7-7. The teams are trading punts. It's still a physical defensive game. Then Dothan goes on a 66-yard drive. They overcome some penalties on a third and long. Uh, Sam Broadway hits Donovan Jones for a big play, and then A.J. Alexander would capitalize with a one-yard touchdown to put Dothan up 14-7 to with 6-14 left there in the fourth. And then quarterback Eric Winters on a quarterback draw goes 68 yards for the touchdown to tie the game at 14 with 424 remaining. So it seems like Enterprise got the momentum at that point. They were doing a, a two-quarterback system. We'll get into that more with Jerry Coleman tomorrow. I've already recorded an interview. We recorded it on Sunday evening. Dothan gets the ball back, and what do they do? They go with some trickeration. Sam Broadway takes a snap. He passes it backwards to Jaden Barnes, and he finds an open Jalen Corbett for the touchdown. Then Enterprise would move down the field, threaten, try to get into the end zone. They weren't able to do it. Dothan holds them out, and Dothan has a 21-14 victory on Friday night against Enterprise. Now, I promise this at the top. 
I'm going to play you guys. This is something new we're going to try to do here for the rest of the season. I'm going to play you guys the post-game segment with Jerry Coleman and Ken Lambert breaking down the Dothan Wolves 21-14 to win over Enterprise. It's Dothan High School Wolves football on your home for great country legends. 96-9, the legend. Time now for the Dothan Wolves post-game show. Back to the stadium for the post-game wrap-up with Jerry Coleman and Ken Lambert on 96-9, the legend. Wow, what a game we saw tonight. Dothan victorious 21-14 over the Wildcats of Enterprise in a kind of a unique play there toward the end. Enterprise used their last timeout. Axon tried to roll out right. They had no more timeouts left. And uh, tell you what, Xavion Ibera came up with a big tackle, pushed out of bounds with no time left. Kind of wondering why, Ken, they didn't spike the football. I think they just tried to see if we'd fall asleep in somebody's end zone. I think so. They thought, uh, you know, we were thinking they're going to clock it. They had an extra play. They could have come back, would have had time. But thought they would catch us, as you said, uh, sleeping, well covered in the end zone. Uh, my question, and the way it ended, I thought as he was rolling out, I thought he stepped out before he threw it. We actually intercepted it in the end zone, but uh, the officials looked at it and said, no, no time on the clock, that's it. It happened so quick, and the teams have already left the field except for the Dothan Wolves down in front of the uh, the Dothan Band as they're playing the uh, alma mater and singing. So, wow, what a football <laughs> game. We're trying to catch our breath and really uh, collect uh, exactly what happened here but that one was back and forth. What a fourth quarter of football. Well, we kind of kept our eyes on the officials, see what they called. They did call him out of bounds. They looked at the play clock, game clock, excuse me, nothing left. And then when they started heading to the end zone, I thought, it's a ball game. Yeah. And you could see our coaches react to it, our players. I think in a, I was a little stunned, thinking they may have another play. But then again, they were also trying to tackle the receiver, yes. the defensive back who intercepted the football. I tell you what, it's uh... – as you look, uh, and we've, Jerry, you talked about it in the stats earlier when you were just talking about points scored and, and points uh, given, how close these two teams were in that stat. I tell you what, these are really two evenly matched football teams. It was a game of big plays, uh, two big runs, and then, of course, the uh, halfback pass uh, that we had there, a great play call late. That changed the tide. We just saw the momentum go back and forth, back and forth. And that really changed the tide. Defense stepped up, kind of gave us a, a, a chance to catch our breath. Because I tell you, we were we were limping a little bit there and trying to stretch some things out because uh, it was a physical, really physical third quarter. But uh, the Wolves came alive the fourth quarter and what a football game. Well, a week off can't come, I think, at a better time yeah. than after after this game. We had a few guys made it. Very physical game on the field. And, and one thing, you know, you, you, you can't, I don't know to describe it, but – you know, Coach Kennedy was over here for about three years, two years ago for three years, and you saw a lot of his players come over and hug him and congratulate him and, and him doing the same. And you could see, you know, it's kind of funny from up top, you can see him looking for players and players looking for him. Yeah. So you can tell the impact that Jeff Kennedy had on these players that now seniors, but they were, of course, sophomores. Uh, and some freshman when he was here spent his time at Enterprise. And I tell you, I mean, uh, Coach will get home tonight, and then he will never 
he will never say that. Uh, but I tell you, this was one that he really, really wanted, and I, you knew because it just coming from uh, from from being here and knowing this group and and two hard games the last two years that he's wanted so bad against these Wildcats, and he's down there now. You see a lot of coaches with their arms around each other, and he is excited to talk to his football team because they really stepped up. They had the confidence, and Jerry, you made the comment that uh, he's during the week as you've talked to him, he's he's. Seen Seemed kind of lighthearted and jovial, and so he just—you he, could see that confidence coming from him. You know, they had a good week of practice, and you knew the guys were ready. Yeah, tell you what. But again, we'll be off next week. Two weeks from now, Ken and I will be in Opelika to take on the Opelika High School in another seven A, two A matchup, just as big as this, just one. as big as this one. Uh, so, uh, big good week to kind of take off and get our breath, and and I'm sure that coaches will go scout some more film and see Opelika next week. So for Ken Lambert, Jerry Coleman, we're going to say so long from Wiregrass Stadium, Bill Bacon Field, where tonight Dothan 21, Enterprise 14. Stay tuned for the Philip Jordan final scoreboard from all the scores around the Wiregrass in our region and also the Panhandle of Florida. Thank you and so long from Wiregrass Stadium. All right, there you go. That was the post-game show that you would have heard on Friday night after Dothan's 21-14 to win over Enterprise. And we got two more regular season games left. Like you said, Dothan will be off this Friday. It also means no coaches show this Thursday as well. But be back next week on the 26th, the coaches show, and the 27th when Dothan travels to play at Opelika. And then the following week, they'll close out the regular season at home against Jake High School, formerly Jeff Davis. And then, of course, we're all assuming – and believing playoffs, and hopefully the things can go right and Dothan can get a first round and second round playoff game. So let's jump into 5A Region 2. Charles Henderson defeated Ufala 51-31. to Charles Henderson is now 4-3 and on the year. Uh, Ufala drops to 5-3, and 3-1 in region play. A little bit more on that in a second. Charles Henderson jumped 21 to nothing early. Ufala denied chance to win the region on Friday night. Uh, Ufala did get within 24-19 in the game. Good games by both quarterbacks on Friday night between these two. For Charles Henderson, quarterback Parker Adams was 11-15 for 180 and two touchdowns. Enterprise quarterback Browning Anderson had 246 yards for two touchdowns. He was 18 for 27. Hedlund defeated Carroll 52-22. Hedlund outscored Carroll 36-0 in the final 26 minutes of the game. Carroll did have a 22-16 lead in the second quarter. Hedlund goes up in the game after Jackson Williams' touchdown late in the half, and then Kendrell Corbett returned a bad punt snap, and that gave Hedlund a 32-22 lead, and they did not look back after that. Then Rehoboth defeated Greenville 21-18. This is Rehoboth's third straight win, and now they are 2-2 in region play. And looking at 5A Region 2, the standings, Headland and Yafala sit at the top, both at 3-1. and one. Charles Henderson, Rehoboth, and Carroll are all tied at 2-2 two and two in Greenville's 0-4. There's only six teams in 5A Region 2, so four of the six go in. So the way it's looking now, Carroll, Rehoboth, Charles Henderson, you could have a good team that does not make the postseason. So these next couple weeks are going to be quite interesting in uh, 5A Region 2. In 4A Region 2, just the Wiregrass teams, we're going to look at the scores. Dale County defeated Geneva 37-30 to to improve to 3-5, 2-3. Geneva is now 2-6, 1-4 in region play. Tristan Smith had a touchdown with 45 seconds left for Dale County. 
And overall, he had 205 yards and two touchdowns, and he also had an 18-yard receiving touchdown. Andalusia defeated Slocum 42-6 to to continue their undefeated season at 5-0. Slocum is now 1-6, 0-5 region play, and they are eliminated from postseason play as well. Looking at 4A Region 2, the standings there, both Andalusia and Catholic Montgomery are both 8-0 overall, 5-0 in region play. Booker T. Washington sits at third at 4-1, 5-2 overall. Dale County and Montgomery Academy are both tied at 2-3 in region play. So Dale County in the mix for a potential playoff spot. So these, again, these next couple weeks, we are in playoff time. Yes, the postseason has not started, but a lot of these teams are in playoff mode because now you know each win, each loss is magnified now. So you're trying to get in to the postseason. 3A Region 2, Providence Christian defeated Pike County 46-26 to to go to 5-2, 5-0 region play. Pike County drops to 3-3 three three in region. For Providence, quarterback Craig Pittman, big game, 279 yards and four touchdowns. Houston Academy defeated Northside Methodist 42-7 to to go to 6-1, 4-1 in region play. Northside is 2-5, 1-4 region play. For Houston Academy, quarterback Caden Mitchell threw for 250 yards and four touchdowns. Op defeated Delville 33-14 to go to 3-4, 3-2 in region play. And Strawn defeated New Broughton 41-12. Uh, Parker Black had three interceptions in the game. He returned two for touchdowns. There was 10 combined turnovers in this game. But Strawn, they go to 6-1. They're 5-0 in region and then New Broughton's 1-6, 1-5 in region play. And looking at 3A Region 2, now this is a region with nine teams, so constantly, week after week, you're battling in region play in this region. Strawn is 5-0, 6-1. Providence is 5-0, so they are tied. They do not play each other this week, but that matchup is coming. Houston Academy is in third place right now at 4-1. Opposites at 3-2, but Pike County's right behind them at 3-3. Three three. They've played one more region game. Then up, and that kind of happens when you have an odd amount of teams in a region. Then you have Ashford and Northside at one and four. We talked with head coach Dave Stapleton last week. Ashford's got an opportunity. Yes, he hears one and four, but they're playing well. Two wins in a row. They played very close with Strawn before that. They've got some winnable matchups coming up. So Ashford could make a push. So watch out for Ashford here in 3A Region 2. Then you got Delville at one and five, two and six overall, and New Broughton at one and five. They're toward the bottom of 3A Region 2. In 2A Region 2, Cottonwood continued their undefeated winning ways, defeating GW Long 48-15. Cottonwood, like I said, 6-0. They're 5-0 in region play. They're one win away from clinching the region there. GW Long falls to 5-2, 4-1. Braylon Morris for Cottonwood, seven total touchdowns. He had 204 on the ground, six touchdowns. He had an 11-yard touchdown pass to Cleet he was 5'7 for 49 yards through the air. Ayrton defeated Abbeville 54 to 20 to go to 4 and 4, 3 and 2 in region play. Abbeville drops to 1 and 7, 1 and 4 in region play. Quarterback Ian Sin for Ayrton had 158 yards and three touchdowns, and he also ran for 77 yards on the ground. Wicksburg defeated Sampson 55 to 0 to go to 4 and 3. They are 4 and 1 in region play. They had 42 second half, second quarter points, excuse me. And Mason Burkhart had one or seven yards, two touchdowns on the ground, 202 through the air, and three more touchdowns. He was 14 of 18 passing. And Zion Chapel defeated Geneva County 18 to 0 to go to 4 and 4, 2 and 3 in region play. And uh, Geneva County is still yet to win a game. 
So now looking at 2A Region 2, three teams have clinched playoff spots. That is Cottonwood, GW Long, and Wicksburg. Like I said, Cottonwood is 5-0. GW Long and Wicksburg are both 4-1, so they're still trying to figure out that number two spot. Ayrton sits at 3-2 with Zion Chapel. They're at 2-3 and three in 2A Region 2 so far. And then at 1A Region 2, Elba defeated Georgiana 38-6 to continue their undefeated season at 7-0 and 5-0 region. Georgiana is now 6-2, 5-1. That was their first region loss. Alvin Anderson had 221 yards and four touchdowns in the game. Houston County defeated Pleasant Home 35-7 to improve to 3-5 and 2-4. And Isaiah McKenzie had 112 yards and two touchdowns for Houston County. Other scores in 1A Region 2, Florala defeated McKenzie 36-34, and Red Level defeated Kinston 31-29. So looking at 1A Region 2, that was on top. 5-0 in the region, Georgiana 5-1. Florala is 4-1. So this is another region that has nine teams, odd amount of teams. So you're going to have some teams have more or less region games. But it all obviously will even itself out when we get into the season. Brantley at 3-2. They did not play their 3-4 overall. Seems like a down year for Brantley. Brantley is usually up there at at least number two or number one in the region. McKenzie's at 2-3. In the region, and you do have Houston County Red Level at two and four tied there. So still some some figuring out to do in one A region two. And some other scores around the Wiregrass. Abbeville Christian lost to Coosa Valley 56 to 22. And Pike Lib defeated Liberty County out of Florida 17 to 14. So that's going to do it for the high school football segment here on today's show. Now let's jump into college football and lead things off with the Crimson Tide. All right, it was quite an interesting day of college football on Saturday, week seven there as well. Of course, you heard how my day started on Saturday. Uh, Alabama, we're going to start off with that. Of course, you know how we do this with college football. We're going to start with the in-state schools, Alabama, Auburn, and Troy, and, of course, Florida State. We'll kind of go in order that they played, and then we'll go around the SEC for the other stuff. But anyways, Alabama holds on against Arkansas 24-21 to to improve to 6-1 and that now – 4-0 in SEC play. For Arkansas, 2-5. and They're 0-4 in SEC play, but pretty much all these losses have been closed. This is their fifth straight loss. Outside of the A&M loss, they've been closed. BYU, Ole Miss, LSU, and now Alabama. Alabama built a 24-6 lead early in the second half in this one. They were up 21-6 at halftime. And I'll say this, Arkansas did have some early success against Alabama, moving the ball, and they were getting pressure on Jalen Milrow. That continues to be an issue for Alabama, pass protection at times. Now, Arkansas is also a team, talked about this last week with Connor Goodson from the Razorbacks Wire when he came on to the show, that Arkansas is top five in sacks in the SEC. They're good at getting to the quarterback. A lot of stuff with Arkansas is just their pass protection is not good. Their offensive line is just horrible right now. And then also just mistakes, losing close games, penalties, stuff like that. Now, Jalen Milrow did hit some big passes, and that's the thing with Milrow. He's very good at the deep ball. A problem I see with him, now he looked better against A&M, but I think it kind of came back here, the intermediate stuff, reading the defenses. He's still not quite there, I don't think, but now he throws a pretty deep ball. He hit a couple big ones in this game. Uh, Colby Prentice with the first one on a long touchdown. It just busted coverage for Arkansas. That was the first touchdown, and I put up Alabama 7-6. to six. Hit another big one to Jermaine Burton, and then there was another touchdown when they went up 21-6 to six to Amari Nyblak. 
21-6. They did that. Now, in the second half, K.J. Jefferson was a handful for them. And I think Alabama did get away from the run game, too, in this one. And Arkansas was able to come back. They got within 21-24. There was a play there with K.J. Jefferson where it looked like he was bottled up by the Alabama defense. He got away, made the pass, and ended up eventually getting a touchdown for Arkansas. So, but you know, Alabama holds on. Milrow made a play. Alabama holds on for the victory. Now they go in into the matchup with Tennessee. We'll talk about Tennessee a little bit in a second. But Alabama and Tennessee did a good job of getting after AM and Max Johnson. So that's going to be another thing, too. But Alabama's going to be looking for revenge. You know, there's going to be some enthusiasm on the Alabama side of things going into that game. They're at home for the next two games. They got Tennessee, then they're off, then they got LSU. But still, Alabama needs to stay with the run game. Their defense is fine. Let Miro hit the big passes down the field. But they get away from that sometimes, and I think it really cost them. And I think it almost did here. Uh, Florida State defeated Syracuse 41-3. to uh, They honored the 1993 National Championship team in this one. Florida State stays undefeated. Uh, Syracuse 4-3-0-3. But, hey, you guys don't really care about Syracuse here in the Wildgrass. Now, do we? Maybe basketball season, but not their football season. Jordan Travis was responsible for three touchdowns. He had two running. He had a 56-yard touchdown to Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman was awesome in this game. Uh, he had a just a big game with nine catches, 140 yards. I had a one-handed grab that Sports Center top 10 worthy for the entire week, maybe the entire season. Wide receiver Johnny Wilson did not play. There was a little injury scare with Jordan Travis there in the second quarter, 27 seconds left. Hurt his hand, it seemed like, his non-throwing hand, but he did come back there in the second half and play. Uh, overall, he was 23 of 37 for 284 and one touchdown. So, uh, Forest State just took care of business, played like they ought to. It was 17-3 at halftime, and they just extended the lead in the second half, and they will play Duke next, who is a ranked opponent. Troy defeated Army. Detroit defense just playing great. Limited Georgia State a few weeks ago. Held Arkansas State last week to just three points. Now they shut out Army 19 to zero to go to five and two. Two and uh, they're still two and one in Sunbelt. Of course, it's not a Sunbelt opponent. Uh, four field goals from Scott Taylor Renfro in this one. Kamani Vidal once again 116 yards. He leads the country with 951 yards rushing. Jabri Barber had a big game. Dothan Wolf product. Uh, four receptions for 138 yards. Uh, Gunnar Watson connected with Chris Lewis for a 52 yard touchdown right before halftime to put Troy up 16 to nothing. They were up 9 nothing at the time with field goals. So especially there in the first half, they moved the ball up and down the field on Army. And you got to think, too, Coach Sermall is going to look at that. So, okay, we played well. Our offense moved the ball well. Defensively, we're great. I'm getting some defense stats in a second. But he's also going to say we need to turn those field goals into touchdowns, especially when we start playing some bigger opponents. Texas State's coming up, and then you also got – the matchup looming on a Thursday night with South Alabama. Uh, defensively, forced three fumbles, had a winter session, had six sacks in the game. You never felt like Army was really going to threaten offensively in this one. It just was never never there, uh, And especially going up against that triple option, that, that offense that Army lost to run. Uh, Richard Jubinor had a big game with two sacks. And as I mentioned coming up this week, they will be at Texas State, a 2 o'clock road matchup that will be on ESPN+. And now we talk about Auburn. Uh, probably won't spend too much time on this, just because. Let me also say, you, you watch the game, eighty-eighteen, 
to LSU to drop to three and three, zero and three SEC play. Auburn's third straight loss started three and zero, but didn't get in conference play. The losses to A and M, Georgia, and now LSU, and it doesn't get much easier this upcoming Saturday against Ole Miss. LSU had five hundred sixty-three total yards to Auburn's two ninety-three. Auburn defense tried to make plays in this one. They tried to keep Auburn in the game, but going into it, it's going to be a tough matchup with the best offense in the SEC with Jaden Daniels, Brian Thomas, Malik Neighbors, and that group. They're just really unstoppable right now, and Auburn just doesn't have the offense to combat it. Uh, Peyton Thorne still, I feel like at times, is holding on to the ball too long. They're switching quarterbacks out with him, Robbie Ashford, but the receivers are not helping them out either. they got to make a play, and you get down so big. They got down 17 nothing early in the first quarter. The first quarter was a complete disaster for Auburn. I mean, that's no doubt if you watch the game. I'm going to say this, and I've been – behind the Hugh Freeze hire at Auburn. But I think he's been a little hard-headed, him and offense coordinator Ron Montgomery, because I think Hugh Freeze has a style of offense in his head he just wants to run. He wants to throw the ball, and that's what he's he's done. He did it at Ole Miss. He did it at Liberty. That's what he wants to do. But the thing about it, Auburn's strength offensively has to be the run game. With Robbie Ashford, Jarquez Hunter, Brian Petit, Jeremiah Cobb, you know, all these names at running back. That's got to be where your focus is at if you're Auburn offensively. But I do believe Hugh Freeze wants to just throw the ball. That's just always been his bread and butter. But I think he just has to look himself in the mirror and say, right now for this team, I've got to run the ball. Because Auburn showed success with that when Cadillac took over as interim head coach. I think they need to just kind of go back to that offense. I think that's going to be your best option. They look at this Saturday, you have Ole Miss coming into Auburn. Auburn will probably play better because at home, and who knows what Hugh Freeze is going to try to do against this former team. Uh, if you ask me right now, I'm picking Auburn to win. So Auburn may be looking at 3-4, and 0-3 oh in the SEC. It's a wow, they ever going to win a game again. But then you look at the schedule, this is not in order. You've got Vanderbilt. You've got Mississippi State. You've got Arkansas. You've got uh, New Mexico. You've got those teams in front of it. And the Iron Bowl will be the Iron Bowl. It's in Auburn. We know how that is always a fight when Alabama comes to Jordan-Hare. So you still have opportunities to get to a bowl game. I still think Auburn can get to six or seven wins. They're not just going to show up and win those games. They're going to fight. They're going to earn those victories. But I think if you're an Auburn fan, you just need to relax a little bit because it's just it's a building process with what they got going on at Auburn with Hugh Freeze and this team. Now, looking at the rest of the SEC on Saturday, Georgia beat Vanderbilt 37-20 to to stay undefeated. They got down seven early, and that's the trend of Georgia. These slow starts outside of the Kentucky game. Kind of wonder what's going on with Georgia in these things. And then you look at, to Brock Bowers. He got injured in the game, ankle injury. We'll see what happens. We'll update you if anything comes of that during the week. Georgia's off this week getting preparing for their annual rivalry game with Florida. Florida's off too as well. But let's see. That's kind of storyline there coming out there. Tennessee defeated AM 20 to 13 to get to 5 1. That's who Alabama plays this week. Uh, AM now drops to 4 and 3, 2 and 2 in SEC play. They put a lot of pressure to Tennessee on Max Johnson this game. According to PFF, he was pressured on 25 of 39 dropbacks, which that's 64%. And the offense line allowed 11 quarterback hits. And that's what I meant a few minutes ago when I talked about. Alabama going to this matchup, Alabama's weakness, pass protection. So that's going to be a matchup to look for this Saturday with these two teams. A big play. So, so Tennessee had to put the ball, but they put AM down at the one. AM could not move the ball. So the punter was 
basically an inch or two away from have his foot in the back of the end zone when he punted the ball. And then D. Williams, 39-yard punt, he go up 14-10. to So the punt, getting them down there, really set it all up because you're not going to punt it as far when you don't have the distance between the line scrimmage and where you catch it and all that stuff. So, And then running back for Tennessee, Jalen Wright, had 136 yards in the game. Uh, Joe Milton was fine. I mean, he, he didn't throw for a lot of yards. He didn't really do much in this one. I think Alabama can put pressure on him, though. His It's obviously Tennessee's not as explosive as an offense as they were last year with Hendon Hooker and those receivers, but still, defensively, Tennessee's improved, and it seems like they're a team that can get after you uh, up front. Fun game here. Florida defeated South Carolina 41-36. to got a 5-2. and two. I thought five wins was all Florida was going to get going into the year because I'm not a big Grant Mertz guy. I'm, you heard me take this back a little bit with Matt on Friday. I'm going to take it back a little bit more here. Uh, Grant Mertz played a great game, his best game as a college player. He was 30-48 of 48 for 423, three touchdowns. All the season, he's 76%. Almost 1,900 yards passing, 12 touchdowns, just two interceptions. I always thought interceptions was issued him, but he is flourishing with Billy Napier in this Florida offense. He hit Ricky Pearsall for a 21-yard touchdown with 47 seconds left. Pearsall had 10 catches for 166. South Carolina had a 37-27 to lead in the second half. Florida fights back. And then Spencer Rattler, South Carolina, got the ball back. He throws the interception picked off by Miguel Mitchell. He was 23 of 30, 313, four touchdowns, but that one interception uh, at the end, he just floated one up. He tried to find something, and it just wasn't there. He got picked off, and he's been solid throughout the year. Uh, 11 touchdowns, four interceptions, a little over 1,700 yards passing, 74%. But now you look at South Carolina, they're two and four. There was probably a lot of optimism coming in this year as the success of the last two years, Spencer Rattler coming back. But it's going to be hard for them to find four more wins uh, to get bowled. All right, the final game, Missouri defeated Kentucky, number 24, Kentucky, 38-21 to to go to 6-1, and 2-1 two and one SEC play. Kentucky's two, two straight losses. They started 5-0. and oh, They're now 5-2 and two, and 2-2 two and two in SEC play. Kentucky looked good early. They jumped up 14 to nothing. Uh, Missouri then took over 38-7 after that. It was actually 21-20 Kentucky going to the fourth quarter. Brady Cook with a running touchdown to take the lead there. And then it was just, it was all Missouri there in the fourth quarter. But what really triggered some momentum for Missouri? Uh, punter Luke Bauer, fake pass to Marquise Johnson uh, for a 39 yard touchdown that really sparked Missouri in the game. They like to took over. And Devin Leary interceptions. He was 14 27 for Kentucky, 120. He threw two touchdowns. He ran for one, too, but he also had two interceptions. Uh, Ray Davis running back, 128 in the game. Brady Cook was solid in this one. He did throw an interception. Gofford didn't throw one for almost a year. Now, in the last two weeks, he's got three. But he had 167, 38, 19, 29, one touchdown. And for Kentucky, Devin Leary has not impressed. I thought he impressed me when at NC State. He was a really good quarterback there, but it just, it just seems like it's not clicking with him right now. And that was something that you were hoping for if you're a Kentucky fan coming into the year that that would connect with him. And it just it just hasn't worked so far for Kentucky. But uh, that is my look at uh, college football and the SEC uh, from this past weekend. All right, finally, you know, I hadn't really done this on the show, but I got to thinking, obviously, because and mainly when I was talking about the Brave stuff, there are some fans of the NFL here in the Wiregrass that so kind of close up the show before we get to those brave comments from you uh, about 
what happened with some of the Southeast teams in the NFL on Sunday. Now, we got things started off at 8.30 in the morning because the Tennessee Titans were playing over in London. They lost to Baltimore 24-16. Tennessee drops to 2-4. and four. Uh, Baltimore's 4-2 for people wondering about that. Uh, Tennessee, bad first half. Offense looked bad. They got, had one field goal. They were down uh, in the game uh, 18-3 to three at one point. Baltimore moved the ball pretty well through most of the game in the first half. They got back into it. Now, they came out, and they were down 18-3. to three. They kicked a field goal and made 18-6 by Nick Folk. I'm sitting here watching it. I'm like, what are you doing? You, you need to go for it because they were – on the close to the goal line. They were inside the 10. So I'm like, you got to go for it. Score a touchdown. Get within 18 to 10. It's a one-possession game. But they kicked a field goal. And then they got a big play. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunning got an interception off Lamar Jackson. Like I said, it was 18 to 6. And then Derrick Henry got a 15-yard touchdown to make it 18 to 13. He had 97 yards on the game. So you're sitting there thinking, okay, Tennessee's got the momentum. It's a different second half. But then the fourth quarter, Ryan Tannehill had to leave with an ankle injury. This could be something that he's out for a while for. Uh, Malik Willis comes in. Remember, this is an injury, too, with Ryan Tannehill that pretty much knocked him out of the second half of last year. So Malik Willis comes in. He was 4 or 5 for 74 yards, but he was sacked four times. Just the offense was ineffective with him out there. Tannehill was only sacked two times in the first three quarters. So Baltimore was able to hold on and get the win. Just I think, I think if Tannehill – stays in and he doesn't get hurt i I just feel like it's a different game i, I really do uh the atlanta falcons got defeated by the washington commanders 24 to 16 both teams are now three and three the atlanta's quarterback desmond that's the story here three second half interceptions atlanta one when they, they were down 24 to 10 and they went for two when they got 24 to 16 i thought, i don't understand there's plenty of time i don't understand why you're going for two here so now if you score a touchdown, you got you got to get that two back. I get it if you were down by seven and it's in the game. You just okay, we're not going overtime. We're just going to win it. Uh, Drake London had a good game for Atlanta for one twenty five off nine catches. But again, Desmond Ritter twenty eight of forty seven, three hundred seven yards, two touchdowns, but the three second half turnovers. It's the second time in three weeks he's had three turnovers. So now you're looking, okay, this is the second year. Is this the guy? Is he going to be our quarterback? Played really well last week in the comeback victory against the Houston Texans, but now I had to turn the ball over. So if the turnovers become a trend, you, you got to start looking at yourself with this Atlanta franchise that maybe this just isn't the guy. And Jacksonville defeated the Indianapolis Colts 37 to 20 for Jacksonville taking over first place in the AFC South. Go to four and two. Indianapolis is three and three. Gardner Minshew in for Anthony Richardson, and that's pretty much looking like that's going to be for the foreseeable future. And this game wasn't even close to the scoreboard shows. Jacksonville was up 31 to six late in the second half. Uh, the Colts got some scores, kind of, you know, when Jacksonville's probably playing a softer defense, they're relaxing. They put a lot of pressure on Gardner Minshew. He turned the ball over four times. Jacksonville leads the NFL in that category with 15 takeovers, uh, takeaways on the season. Uh, he had to throw the ball 50, 55 times, 327. Like I said, he, three of those turnovers were interceptions. Of course, he used to play with Jacksonville, so people seeing this in Jacksonville today, they're probably saying, oh, yeah, we remember this. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was solid. He, he had a solid performance, 20 of 30, 181, two touchdowns. He did throw one interception. He was favoring his leg. Toward the end of the game, uh, press conference, he didn't show a limp, so that's going to be – they have a matchup with New Orleans this Thursday. Uh, Jacksonville's never won in New Orleans, so uh, pay attention to that there. 
In the battle of former Alabama quarterbacks, Miami and Carolina, Miami won 42-21. Of course, Tua versus Bryce. Uh, Miami is now 5-1. Carolina is still looking for their first win of the season, sitting at 0-6. Carolina did come out and played well really good early. They got a 14-0 lead. Bryce even had a touchdown pass to Adam Thielen. Uh, They go up 14-0 on the game. Bryce Young was 23-38, 2-17. One touchdown, but the problem still the same here. He's getting sacked a lot, a lot of pressure. He got sacked four times in the game. Like I said, they got up 14 to nothing, but then the Dolphins offense started to cook. Tua was 21 of 31 for 262 and three touchdowns in the game. Running back Raheem Mostert had a really big game here. Uh 115 yards, two touchdowns, and one receiving touchdown. And of course, you say Tyree Kill. They couldn't guard him. There was one time they called him in single coverage, got past the defender. Six catches, 163, and one touchdown. In the big easy, uh Houston defeated New Orleans 20 to 13. Both teams are three and three. Uh CJ Stroud, rookie quarterback at Ohio State, 199, two touchdowns. New Orleans had opportunities late in the game to tie. They were stopped twice in the final five minutes. Carr had a fourth and four attempt uh, to Kamar. It was short. Uh, that was about four and a half left in the game. And then they got the ball back. A fourth and ten pass was intercepted by Stephen Nelson from Houston. So New Orleans had an opportunity. This is a game you need to win. So now they're going to their matchup, like I said, with Jacksonville at three and three. And then Atlanta, now they're three and three. So And this was the team New Orleans I thought was going to win this division hands down. And then finally, the last team in the southeast of the NFL to play on Sunday was Tampa Bay. They got defeated by Detroit 20-6 at home. Detroit 5-1. I wasn't believing this team either, but they're looking really good defensively too. They were bad defensively last year, but their defense is playing really well. Uh, Tampa Bay drops 3-2. They are leading the NFC South right now by half a game. They've had an off week. Others haven't. Uh, Jared Goff, they couldn't stop him. 30-44, to 353, two touchdowns. They, now, I will say this. Tampa had a little bit of a bend but don't break about them. There was times where they Detroit moved the ball, but they were able to stop them. But uh, offensively, Tampa Bay just could not get anything going. Only 46 yards on the ground. Baker Mayfield was 19-37, 206. No touchdowns, one interception. And then Mike Evans, four catches, 49 yards. So that's not going to get it done for Tampa. Now, that interception he threw was early, and it was tipped. Now, if you watch the replay on that, you could see if that ball was not tipped, and this is where Baker was going with the ball, Mike Evans was going down the field for a touchdown. Just saying, that doesn't get tipped. We could have been looking at a whole, whole different game. So that's it. That's your your Southeast NFL team's wrap-up. Now let's, uh, let's see what you think about the Braves season ending early. All right, as we wrap up the Monday edition of the show, fully solo today, fully solo today. So I hope uh, if you're still listening, thank you at this point. We have guests the rest of the week, so you do not have to worry about that. So I did go onto the Facebook page, the Philip Jordan Sports Facebook page, and posted what moves, if any, should the Atlanta Braves make after losing in four games to the Philadelphia Phillies? And I said we will discuss on Wiregrass Daily in Sports. So here are the comments. Bobby D. Donato Sr., hope I said your name right. Maybe ask your MVP or MVP to show up in October. Destin Baker, I'd go after NOLA in free agency. Matt Cruz, new manager. Uh, Kevin Irwin, need more starting pitchers. Mark Weeks, pitchers. Ken Maddox, uh, well, now that Charlie Morton is going to be gone, I hope they can get an ace starter without losing anyone. But with Plar and Rosaro swapping in and out, and Murphy and Darno, 
swapping out. I think they could give up one of those to get maybe Corbin Burns or Aaron Ola. Might as well weaken the Phillies LLL. There you go. Get better and knock down your uh, your enemy at the same time. And then uh, Richard Holdridge, uh, no moves. They just need to get healthy. And I, I think that's the best thing. It's just I saw an article who talking about the Braves, how you had like guys like Freddie Freeman the year they won the championship uh, and other players too. But you had that leadership quality there. And maybe they don't have that with this team. Maybe there's not that one or two guys that stands up and say, hey, okay, leadership, leadership. And it's kind of funny to the Braves. And look, I'm 36. I turned 37 this month. Uh, I remember and I know about the 90s and the early 2000 Braves too. It's kind of something that happened. They'd have great year, be the best team in baseball throughout the entire year. And then playoffs come around and they struggle. So we'll see what they do. It'd be interesting. We'll keep up with it. We'll keep up with it here. Of course, we know Braves fans here in the Wiregrass. So we'll keep up with everything happens with the Atlanta Braves. And uh, that's going to do it. That's going to do it for this edition of Wiregrass Daily News Sports Flying Solo. Uh, usually have somebody lined up on here even on Sundays. Didn't did work out for today. Uh, but anyways, I hope you guys enjoy it. Me rambling on my little story about my car, kick off anything. Hope you enjoyed hearing the, the post-game show from the Dothan Wolves game. We'll get that next week because we don't have a game this week, but we'll do that for the next two games with Opalaka and Jag in any playoff games too as well. Uh, remember you follow me on social media, P. Jordan SEC, nowhere to find a podcast. Um, wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcast. You can always email me at sportstalkfilljordan at gmail.com. Hope everybody has a great Monday. I'll talk to y'all tomorrow when we'll be joined by Jerry Coleman, the voice of the Death of Wolves. Y'all have a good day. Thank you for tuning in to today's Wiregrass Daily News Sports. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow for more of the sports you love in the Wiregrass. Check out the podcast at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Continue the conversation and connect with Philip on social media at PJordanSEC.